pop yourself a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said, I'll start up with some talking and some moody clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. This episode is mainly a call-in episode. I need to clean up a couple things, so I'm going to try to keep this episode relatively short. It's still going to go half an hour or so. Um, Here at the end of the week, I have a special episode with a special guest, so watch for that. And then we'll be back to our normal schedule, hopefully with two episodes a week, a system Sunday and then a regular show on Wednesday. So... I hope you indulge me this week, and I hope you enjoy these calls and some clarifications, including a clarification on the September contest. Let's open up that mailbag and get into it. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator screaming is coming from inside the house. Hey, Jason, how are you? This is Kevin Bourne from Analytic Dice and, of course, Burn2D6. Hey, I just want to call and thank you for putting up the link to the Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, Black Man's Burden. Um, you know, often we confront this in the RPGs we play based on old intellectual property where people talk about, you know, a lot of the racism that is inherent in it. And, um, you know, certainly I'm a big fan of John Carter of Mars. And um, it, I appreciate you pointing out, uh, you know, the anti-colonialist uh, uh, sentiment of Edgar Rice Burroughs and the anti-racist attitudes uh, that he exhibited in, in Black Man's Burden something I didn't know, and it's great to, to learn a new thing and to uh, be able to look back at the, the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs with a little bit of, uh, I guess, a new, newfound sense of who he was as a man. Thank you. Hey, Kevin, thank you for that call. So Kevin has Salt Heart Games, and the Burn 2D6 system is a great kind of universal system. It's great for pickup games. You could also use it for ongoing campaigns. It was recently kickstarted. It's available on DriveThruRPG now. Uh, I'll include a link in the show notes. Kevin had come on the show before and talked about that game, so you can find that in the back catalog. The podcast, Analytic Dice, he does with Gabe, and it's a pretty great podcast. They It comes out once a month, and they pick a game that they haven't played. They play the game, and then they discuss the game. So far, they've done Tunnels and Trolls, and We Deal in Lead. And I do highly recommend it. Neat, neat show. As far as Edgar Rice Burroughs goes, yeah, it's, you know, ultimately the answer is it's complicated because he's a human being. And there's no doubt, I might have made it sound a little simpler than I should have on my podcast. And I know you know this, but just to clarify for the listeners, yes, there is problematic elements from a modern point of view in 
Burroughs' writings. There's no question about it. And I'm not saying that there isn't. I'm not defending him as a saint or anything like that. But when Kipling wrote White Man's Burden about the U.S. and how it should deal with the Philippines, Burroughs punched back, you know, and he wrote The Black Man's Burden, which I highly recommend folks go read. There's that link in the previous episode. And, you know, it's a really interesting essay. And Burroughs definitely pushed back, you know, so he had some arguably progressive views first time, right? Um, and, and so it's not as simple as just, oh, yeah, he, he definitely had sensibilities that meet our modern sensibilities. But for the time, you, you know, he wasn't just lockstep with everything else. And, and, and when you look at his stories, there can be an argument made while there are elements in there. And definitely when we read it, the, the way the language is and all, there are elements in there that, that might not be acceptable if they're written today. When you look at it as a holistic approach, it wasn't like heavy-handed colonialism, bam, 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 right? I'm going to include a link to another article about Burroughs and, and looking at him and looking at the potential of, you know, how problematic was he. So I'll include that in the show notes. And in the end, I think we just need to remember that, you know, the, we're talking about human beings. You, you know who does a really good job of showing this is Ken Burns, you know, maybe the, the greatest American documentary uh, maker alive. He's got a documentary coming up on the buffalo. Yes, they're bison, but the American buffalo. That's going to come out, I think, October 17th, I think is when that comes out. But some of the men, some of the men in there that ended up saving the buffalo were definitely villains in the extinction of the buffalo earlier in their lives, right? Like Charlie Goodnight. And, and there's some really interesting stories in there. And you have to take it holistically. You have to take the whole thing and you have to view it. I mean, look at our Fanning Fathers. You know, when you, you look at, like I said, Burns does a great job because he doesn't show just one side of it. He'll show you the good and the bad and, and just show it to you. And then you have to make your determination. But it's, yeah, I, I think when we try to nail people down, and I'm not saying Kevin's doing this, but when we try to nail people down to good or bad, you know, we're really setting ourselves up because humans are complicated in the end. So, but thank you so much for that call. Really appreciate it. And um, let's go on to this next call because I need to clarify the contest. So remember, I talked about last episode, we're going to do a duck out of water contest. Send me your favorite time travel story. Well, I shouldn't have mixed duck out of water and time travel or fish out of water and time travel because... Now, I've actually got two things going on. And so I'm going to play the very first entry I've received, and then I'm going to clarify the contest. Hey, yo, Jason. So calling in about your September contest, a fish-out-of-water story, uh, favorite one. And, I, you know, I, I, I won't say the crow, even though it is the best fish-out-of-water story. Dead man comes back among the living. Um, so I will go with... <laughs> I'll go with my second favorite fish out of water story, and I'll go with the original 1980s Flash Gordon movie. That movie absolutely rules. I love it. It's a consummate fish out of water story. Uh, Flash, one of the most handsome leading men in all time, uh, gets transported to an alien world and becomes king of the universe. And it's amazing, dude. The soundtrack is amazing. That movie rules. And yeah, man, I'm I'm curious because you talked about how you have a whole lot of examples, and I uh, I don't <laughs> I don't. So 
you know, I, I've read some stuff that I was like, yeah, I don't really like this. But, yeah, man, uh, Flash Gordon, dude, all day, every day. Peace out. So, first off, I want to clarify, Joe did nothing wrong here at all. <laughs> of course, that was Joe Richter of Hindsightless. And I did say, fish out of water, duck out of water. My thought was, send me your favorite time travel media. That was what I was looking for. But I phrased it horribly. The examples I gave were confusing. So we're going to run with fish out of water or duck out of water, whatever term you want to use. We're, we're going to run with that. So your, your protagonist way out of place in, in the situation they're put in. That's what we're going to run with for this contest. And we'll do time travel a different day when, when I word it better. <laughs> so, Joe, you did nothing wrong. And I think, honestly... How many time travel contests, favorite time travel media have you done before? You know, I, I've seen a couple, but I don't remember ever seeing a favorite fish out of water or duck out of water contest before. So that's what I want to run with. I, let's everybody call in your favorite situation. It could be any kind of media from a song to a story to a movie to a game even of where your protagonist is just totally out of position, totally lost in the sauce no clue what's going on, and dealing with it. So I, I think that's a much more interesting contest idea anyway. So Joe, thank you for that entry. And folks, get to it. All the way to call those in are in the show notes. All the way to do your entries are in the show notes. And remember, you have until, what did I say? I think I said September 27th to get me that entry. So get me those entries in. Okay, now let's go on to our next call. Hey, Jason, Daniel Bands keep calling in. I don't think I called in about Hawk the Slayer, so I will mention that first. That was a great episode. Lots of great people calling in. I, I guess I'm not the only one. It seems like lots of people didn't like watch that movie until they became adults or later in life or whatever. So maybe the distribution for it wasn't as, uh, as widespread as some other things, you know, because it seemed like I want to say that when we... Did they do Beastmaster? You did a couple of these movies and people were like, oh, watch it all the time, but... You know, it doesn't seem like uh, this one got that. Huh, interesting. You know, I, I don't know. I think, right, I think watching it as a kid would definitely have changed the attitude. And I can't remember who called in and said they went into it thinking, okay, I'm, it's a cheesy 80s movie with bad special effects, so I'm ready for it. And they weren't surprised, and it was fine. And I think that's a good way to look at movies like that. You know, you don't go into this movie thinking... 1980s kind of obscure sword and sorcery movie and then put it to the same, you know, level as you would like a massive production. So that's the way I looked at it anyways. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed everybody's calls. Very, very fun. I don't think anybody said anything that was particularly uh, needed me to call in and that kind of struck me as a way to call in about it. If they did, I'll, I'll think of it and call back in later. Anyways, what I'm really calling about is the RPG a day. Thank you for playing my call, by the way. Yeah, very cool. I, I, you know, I agree with you. It's funny. I probably could pick a game, you know, but what does what does that even mean, right? Favorite, right? I think that um, it depends, like you say, on the genre. If you're somebody who likes to play a lot of different games, then I think that the genre and the games do matter. I feel like if you're somebody who's only played three RPGs, you know, you might be able to pick one and be like, well, you know what, I, I like D and D or I like Boot Hill or whatever. But when you play dozens and dozens of games, you start to realize that. Each of them has their own subtlety to them. And while there's definitely games that I lean towards more, I, I hate to use the term favorite. So uh, 
which is probably why I didn't pick that one for mine to call in. So I'm with you there. I think DCC has a great vibe. I feel like in somebody, I would love to hear from somebody who I can challenge this because whenever I say it, nobody ever replies. So maybe somebody will. You know, I'd love to see another game that does roll for cast as good as DCC or even close. There's so many games that do roll for cast, and I honestly feel like it's pointless. Rolled cast, and if you don't cast, then it doesn't work. And if you do, then it does. Like, that to me is nothing. DCC digs into it, and that is what makes DCC so great to me. Every bit of DCC has depth. It's one of those simple games that has a lot of depth, because maybe you'd call that crunch. (laughs) We'll have to have the experts that know what all the terms mean. Let me know about that, but... Yeah, roll to cast in DCC, Mighty Deeds of Arms. Even the Thief is good in DCC, the fact that they can get their luck back, but other people can't, right? I think everything's very, very... uh, Although, you know, in the later... I'm not going to get into DCC. Maybe we'll have a DCC conversation sometime. (laughs) You know, and also the idea of how games shift and change over time, right? That's also very fascinating because if you said, well, my favorite game is Barbarians of Lemuria, like I know from previous times you've talked about it, that there's various editions of it and they're slightly different. So you probably have a, one of those as your favorite, right? <laughs> so it, it's so interesting, right? Like that's your, your your pick anyways. Yeah, anyways, that's a rambling call. But to say awesome content, as always, I will talk to you soon. Hey, Daniel, great call. You know, you talk about DCC, Dungeon Crawl Classics, and the Roll to Cast. Interestingly enough, there's a game being Kickstarter right now called Mystic Days. And I talked about it last episode. In that game, you have to make two rolls to cast a spell. First, you have to channel or gather the energy, and then you have to make a roll to actually cast the spell you want to cast. And there's chances for both to go wrong and bad things to happen. And I haven't seen all the rules for this game yet, but it sounds like it may do some of that same kind of thing as DCC, and it might be a contender. I don't know. It'll have to be really good to be a contender, because I agree with you. I think DCC... Well, DCC is my favorite D20 fantasy game, high fantasy game. There's no question about it. Uh, AD&D is my favorite all-time game. But if I had to pick one high fantasy game that let's play right now, it's going to be Dungeon Crawl Classics because it just fits all those things that I like. But, you know, who knows? Maybe this Mystic Days will be a contender. I don't know. Uh, We'll see. But anyhow, thank you for that call, and let's move on to the next one. Jason, it's Mike, Chicago Wiz. Just listened to your episode on Hawk the Slayer. Great, great call-ins from everyone. I really enjoyed that. And it, what just stuck out was kind of the happiness that everyone had watching that movie. They're like, yeah, you know, it was cheesy. It had its problems, but it wasn't bad. It was all right. You know, and what, what else can you ask for from a movie like that? Um, you had asked, uh, I believe it was Carl's uh, call-in, and you had asked about thoughts about the plot line where uh, the nun betrays the party uh, and goes and tells Voltan. Yes, very contrived in my mind, but it kind of made sense if you kind of step back, or at least I'm stepping back and thinking about some of the other things that that nun said. One, she was totally unprepared for leadership. And two, she seemed overly trusting of anyone who acted in an authoritative way. Um, And, you know, maybe it was kind of a play on that kind of trope of, you know, the, the nuns being obedient to authority and power 
beyond all else. Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of took it as a play on that, and, you know, just that she was you know, not very good at reading the signs. And, oh, look, shocker, she dies. And, and nobody was surprised. Um, so that, that was my thought. The other thing I wanted to comment on was Crow the Elf. I totally took him as a play on Vulcans from Star Trek, you know, keeping their emotions in check, last of his kind, maybe infinitely sad and just, you know, playing out the string of his life. I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I guess for me, it, it seemed less robotic and more Spock-like, but maybe I'm being too generous in that, um, or maybe that's the filter I wanted to see it through. It's actually kind of really a cool idea to take and, you know, break the trope of elves and, and whatnot. You know, I, I try to do that in my games where, you know, elves in my game are not uh, woodsy creature. They're seafaring folk um, and a good reason why. So, you know, anything that you can do sometimes to help break that mold, break the expectations and have, you know, players in your game explore new things. So I thought it was neat. And I thought maybe, you know, it uh, might encourage uh, folks that listen to try out, you know, maybe play your character a little bit like Spock. I don't know. Anyway, um, I was glad to hear that my Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, attempt didn't suck as bad as I thought it was going to. So, hey, thumbs up. Anyway, looking forward to Lady Hawk. I do remember watching that one, and my childhood memory doesn't seem all that positive. So I'll give it a whirl, and we'll see what happens. I mean, you got Rutger Hauer, if I remember correctly, so it can't be all that bad. Anyway, great wrap-up. Really enjoyed this one, and uh, we'll talk at you later. Game on. Michael, thank you for that call. Really appreciate it. I really enjoy doing these. I'm really happy that Goblin's Henchman has recommended that we do this project, and I'm really happy for it. Lady Hawk, sadly, is one that I don't think is available free anywhere, so maybe somebody will do a watch party on one of the discords so everybody can watch it. I can't organize that, but hopefully somebody else does, and I've already got some entries for Lady Hawk. So it, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I'm really enjoying those. I'm leaning, honestly, towards instead of rolling a die, doing Beastmaster in October because it's kind of a horror film. I know I have Conquest on there, and Conquest, being a Lucio Fulci film, is much more of a horror film. But I don't know that Conquest is to everybody's tastes, and, and I kind of wonder if I should take it off because I, I think it might be a little extreme for some of our, our viewers. But I, I think Beastmaster is one that has enough horrific elements in there. I mean, heck, Don Casarelli directed it, you know, the man behind Phantasm, right? So, yeah, I think we're going to do Beastmaster for October. I'm really enjoying these, and thank you so much for that call. And I want to be where you're at with the people racing in the background. That sounds great. Okay, let's go to our next caller, which is Carl, the geomologist himself. Hey, Jason, this is Carl calling. We got to catch up on a lot of the podcast while we were traveling down to South Padre Island and on the way back. So got to catch up to your stuff. I really enjoyed... Uh, what we heard from the killer crosshairs to luscious lips i really want to track down that movie now sorry vicious lips and the hawk the slayer was really great uh, to hear all those comments on hawk the slayer i did forget to talk about the music but i just wanted to get a quick message out there and amy is uh, kind of bummed that she didn't get 
hers in. But for Lady Hawk, we for sure have it queued up somewhere on some streaming service. So we will probably uh, call in uh, for that one for sure. And uh, that was really good. The music was pretty interesting. And it's funny that a lot of people commented on it. Uh, and there was kind of this collective zeitgeist on what people commented on, what they liked and didn't like. I thought it was uh, pretty good. And then finally, your week five uh, RPG a day wrap up. I haven't gotten to the August wrap up yet, but I'll get to that in a second. But we really enjoyed listening to that. Uh, and I really appreciated your, again, talking about, uh, yes, you have a favorite, but you have favorites for every genre. And I really enjoyed that uh, discussion. So thanks again, and I will talk to you soon. Carl, thank you for that call. Yeah, I've kind of already talked about the favorites thing. As far as Amy, I mean, she can definitely call in a late entry. I'm happy to play late entries for any of these things. And Vicious Lips. Yeah, Vicious Lips, you know, I talked about how Force 5 should be remade last episode. And Vicious Lips, arguably, you could do it. Like I said during the, that review, I think if you re-edited the sound and put music in the middle, it'd be okay. I don't think you need to reshoot Vicious Lips. I don't think you'd capture the same feel if you reshot it. But I do think a, a, another edit of it with a different soundtrack, not changing the kind of songs or anything like that, but adding songs in the middle would really help that movie. It would bring it up from a, you know, a, a really borderline movie to a pretty median decent movie in my opinion but you know my tastes are kind of skewed thank you for that call and now we're going to throw it back to daniel hey jason daniel bands keep calling in uh about halfway through the episode awesome stuff uh, the unboxing with joe was fantastic that game sounds amazing oh man i now i need to look at it. remember i asked you i was like oh what was the name of that game and then i didn't go look because i just felt like yeah i'd probably end up with an unpunched copy too that would i'd probably never play but now i gotta play it because you've got it and Man, that's so good. As far as your answer, I was, I was honestly, I was a little surprised that you broke down and gave a favorite. <laughs> but I love your reasoning for it, right? It's the thing that was always there. And, and I think that's a really cool way to think about it. AD&D, it was not the first old thing that I rebought because I had nothing. I had got rid of, I had no RPG stuff when I got back into playing. And it's not the first old thing I bought. The first old thing I bought was actually B1, the module B1. And then I got uh, the basic set, uh, Moldvay uh, Basic. Because again, when I was first buying those, I, they were just for nostalgia. I honestly didn't really think I was going to play them. It was before I even discovered this. What I'd never even heard the word OSR. I was playing 5e and I was like, oh, I want to look at some of these older games. And I did that. And then once I read those and got inspired, the very next thing I did was bought AD&D. And I thought for sure that'd be the game I'd play. And... You know, I played it a bit, but turns out that for me, at least in this current state where I am in this place in the world, it's not the game for me right this second. But it's definitely a game that, you know, if I was slimming down my catalog, those books would be the very end of a list of things that I would get rid of. You know, they would be the ones I'd hold on to the very end for sure. There's something very special about those books, about where the hobby, at least to me, the the fantasy part of it, or at least TSR's part of it, really came together in AD&D. You know, there's a lot of zaniness in it, just like there isn't, you know, every edition of D&D where people are like, I can't find anything here. But at the same time, I think AD&D is really, really good. I don't agree with how some people say it's absolutely complete and you can play it raw and it's perfect. We've had that discussion before. But I do think that it's a really good system, and I would consider uh, playing it again if I had the right group. 
These days I lean a lot more towards OD&D, obviously, because I'm much more of a, I want to build the game the way I want to build it. Oh, my friend Todd was telling me in, what's it called, Alarms and Excursions. I think you said that you had delved into some of those. He was saying that there was a whole thing, a whole bunch of articles, or maybe one very, very long article by Gygax in an earlier one about the creation of D&D. So I don't know if you've read that one yet. I'll see if I can figure out which one it's from, and, uh, and I'll send you another message or whatever. But that sounded really interesting, because apparently in the article, Gygax talks about how it would be silly and bad if everybody played D&D the same. <laughs> How times change. Anyways, awesome episode. I'm going to listen to the calls now. I'll talk to you soon. Great call, Daniel. To take that in reverse order, I think. Alarms and excursions. I actually bought all those. You can still get those from Lee Gold. Uh, you can find online. In fact, I'll put a link in the show notes. And you can still buy those from her. And, you know, talk about women in the hobby, right? She's been here from the very beginning. And you... I bought all the ones up through 1985. I've got them on CD, but but they're on CD, so it's not that easy to go through them. So if you figure out which one it's in, that would be good. I honestly haven't sat down and read through them yet. I need to do that. Uh, it's a matter of breaking out the computer with the DVD drive, CD drive, and putting the CD in and reading it. And you, you know, it's kind of a hassle, uh, but but I will do it. As far as AD&D, yeah, we're on the same sheet of music there. And as far as the original Bruce Lee martial arts game, the board game, yeah, I am so excited. I'm going to get my family to play it because my wife will play board games. She won't play RPGs. So we'll play it. I'll see how it is. And who knows, maybe it'll be coming to ShireCon in 2024. There's a little hint for you, a little teaser. And remember, folks, if you sent a call in to Jason and you haven't heard it on this episode... Have no fear. It will appear. Hey, Colin, thank you for reminding everybody about that. We actually do have one more call, and it's a late entry for Hawk the Slayer from MW, the World's MW Lewis podcast. I've actually put it at the end of the show after the music, so stay tuned for that after we're done. But until then, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in for everybody that listens, I really appreciate it. Everybody that calls in and participates, that's great because the listener participation is what really drives this podcast. All the ways to reach to me, reach out to me are in the show notes. All the way to enter the contest are in the show notes. Go check that out. Go check out the links I have in the show notes. And I will be back later this week with a special guest to talk about a very special movie and a special anniversary. So until then, be excellent to each other. Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some There is a dustbin in your moil's by the tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away
Zombies are arising and the world's gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck. Hey, Jason, NW here. I'm sorry I missed the timeline or the deadline for the Hawk the Slayer call-ins. When I got back from my trip, I somehow thought it was closer to the end of the month when those submissions were due, not on the 25th. When I realized I missed it, I didn't, I didn't rush it. I hadn't yet watched the movie, but now here I am on September 2nd, taking a quick, quick purview of it. I remember seeing this movie back in the 80s, probably on cable, and not really liking it much. And um, my impression of it isn't much better now. I'm, I'm still watching it. I'm just like one of your other call-ins. I'm watching it on Amazon, so there's a lot of commercials. And I just got through the first segment of the show, and I'm just starting the call-in now because it's it's hilarious. The The show is breaking at the scene where he's trying where jack palance's character volton is trying to get his face healed by i think he says an orc i think he actually just said an orc medicine and as soon as it broke to commercial the first commercials for avino calm and restore uh, skin cream so i just thought that was a i think that's really funny actually so that, there's at least that. I am being entertained. Uh, but so far, through the first maybe 10 minutes of this movie, maybe 20 minutes, it's uh, not prone. Not prone so far. And I have a feeling by the end, I'm going to still be at not prone. But I'm going to pause the call in and continue on with the with the movie, as painful as it is. I'm much further ahead in the movie by now, but I, I keep thinking back on the scene where Hawk saves the witch because the witch becomes such a central character here in these little vignettes where he, he gathers his forces. And, and this has all been talked about compared to the Magnificent Seven. Um, you know, the vignettes in the Magnificent Seven are a bit um, clunky also where they go around and get their, the men to protect the village, uh, but not quite as clunky as this. Um these are a little amusing, and, and so are the vignettes in the in the Magnificent Seven. So that was a great comparison, whoever made that comparison. But I was thinking back on the scene where he saved the witch. Wouldn't it have been even better if he scared off the guy on the horse, and then he kills the guy who wanted to burn the witch, and then wouldn't it have been a riot? Wouldn't this movie be a thousand times better if when he... When he freed the witch and he and he and then he removes her hood or something like that, wouldn't it be better if he said, "By God, you are a witch," and then he kills her? Like, I think that would have been better than what actually happened. But that's just my thought because my mind's wandering as I watch this movie. So I've arrived at the part of the movie with the first uh, confrontation with the uh, hunchback, and uh, well, the first confrontation for Hawk. Let's just say Team Hawk. So it's all five of them, and they're they're encountering or confronting the the hunchback for the gold. And it strikes me, this is exactly how the people, some of the people in my one e game, think the melee should go. 
they think as soon as the combat starts that they should just mow down the enemy in the first round without any consequences. And they get really annoyed when, when the rounds stretch out and, and they're getting hit and they're taking damage or some of them may even die. And, uh, you know, I just think it's a riot. I mean, this what kind of battle was this? Nothing happened. They, they fired off a, a million arrows in one second and all the enemies were dead. Wow, how stupid. I was just thinking, too, that this movie generally honors the fantasy genre. But after watching this scene, I would say it doesn't. Whoever's been saying it's a lot like a Western, of course, it's ripping off the music from the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the uh, uh, the Man With No Name uh, series of spaghetti Westerns with that... Uh, that little music, that little flute music or pipe music. Uh, so it does remind me a lot of the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is kind of like a Western. It, it's it's not really honoring the fantasy genre. It's just kind of merging the Western genre with the fantasy genre. Um, you know, this movie is just, it's okay. Um, the movie's not awful. I, I, I mean, I, I'll... I guess I'm going to promote it a little bit to somewhat prone. As, as the movie's going on, I'm... Becoming more and more interested to see what happens. But I wanted to comment with that little funny melee, that little combat scene, where I would imagine the some of the people in my Monday night AD&D game in particular would watch it and be like, yeah, why can't our why can't our battles be like that? So just kind of funny. Just a funny thought. Well, I'm watching the big assault on Voltan's camp. And the elf is clearly the prototype for uh, Peter Jackson's portrayal of Legolas. I'm at the part where the giant failed his saving throw, and uh, wow, that was fast acting sleep poison. Clearly, there is meant to be a sequel to this movie, and I think the world is better off that that sequel was never made. That's the end of my review, Jason. I don't have anything really more to add that already wasn't said on your show. Some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. I'm really neutral on it. You know, I, you know, it was mildly entertaining. So what's wrong with that? Somewhat prone is the final rating from MW. Wish I had gotten this review in in time for your show, but I, I know you said you'll play it some other time. So thanks. <laughs>